Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. We're in the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and downtown Laurel. We're glad you're with us. Our buddy Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald about to join us in just a moment. Larry Tate, Corporate Sales Director of TeleSouth Communications. Also an Ole Miss fan, but a guy with a really square and objective view of college athletics in Mississippi. We've got an interesting conversation coming up with him. Also, Kelly Sander a little later in the show. And as we say, first of all, let's go down to the coast. Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald, the one and only professor. And first of all, Patrick, I hear that uh, now COVID is kind of passing. You're back to actually being a sports editor. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm kind of mostly on the sports beat now. Again, I pitch in some on news here and there. Uh, but, yeah, it's kind of we've hired a breaking news reporter here recently at the Sun-Herald, and that frees me up more to uh, – uh, do more on the sports side. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make up for a little bit of lost time over the last week or so, but there's a lot for me to catch up on. No question. All right, Patrick, what's on everybody's mind right now, of course, are baseball regionals and a couple of new projections out today. One very interesting from Baseball America that shows two Conference USA teams, uh, Louisiana Tech and Charlotte, hosting regional baseball tournaments. And it also shows Southern Miss going to Pittsburgh uh, to join a tournament with Pittsburgh, Arizona State, and Wright State. This is a little different than what we've seen from D1's projections. Your thought about this? Well, I, you know, it doesn't really surprise me uh, that they put Southern Miss in odd places, a two-seed. I think I mentioned uh, yesterday that, you know, pretty much most projections have Southern Miss going to Starkville as a two-seed. Uh, but Southern Miss is probably one of the, you know, in that situation, is probably one of the you know, three or four best two-seeds in terms of strength coming into the postseason, you know, under the current circumstances. Uh, so, I, you know, I think, you know, it would be tough to send a, a really good, you know, two-seed Southern Miss team to, say, State, who might be a, a four-seed overall. Uh, they would prefer to send uh, a, a two-seed of Southern Miss's stature somewhere else, you know, somebody that maybe is ranked maybe 14 or 15 overall. So there is a chance that Southern Miss could end up somewhere uh, odd if, if they do end up as a two-seed, which seems likely at the moment. Uh, Charlotte's, you know, number sixteen RPI overall. Uh, they have a, you know, a facility that's probably just good enough to host. It's a long, small side, but it's a really nice facility. And Louisiana Tech, you know, they're kind of they lost LSU last night and they split in the two games they had FIU. So Louisiana Tech's got to be a little bit careful uh, going into the final, even if they're in that list of twenty potential regional sites that's supposed to be released this week. Uh, they're going to have to start playing a little bit better to to be able to hold on to to that uh, uh, chance to host. I had a source tell me over the weekend that there was some conversation between the ADs at the three uh, schools here in Mississippi about really not wanting uh, two teams in the same uh, tournament. In other words, obviously not wanting Southern Miss to come to Starkville or Oxford, although Mm -hmm. Ole Miss now appears maybe not to be hosting. Do the ADs have any say-so in that kind of thing, Patrick? 
No, it's it's really up to the selection committee. I mean, they'll receive input from, from guys like Scott Berry, who's on an advisory committee uh, for the South region. Uh, so, I mean, there, there'll be a little input they'll get here or there, but at the end of the day, the, the, the selection committee is going to put together the uh, regions that makes the most sense for everybody. Like, but, it, you know, the more I think about it, the, the odds of Southern Miss going to Starville probably aren't as great as everybody assumes. Interesting. Luke? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, Patrick, to Bob's point, you know, there's people in Starkville, honest people in Starkville, don't want Southern Miss up there as as much as Southern Miss, <laughs> you know, uh, doesn't want to go to Starkville either. And I, I say that not because, you know, we just we want to change the scenery. And from, from what I've been hearing is there's nothing within the athletic department or the university that would oppose Southern Miss traveling to a place like Pittsburgh or even out west. And, and so I think there is a desire inside the athletic department also to not end up at a familiar spot. Yeah, I, I don't think Pittsburgh would maybe be a likely destination, but I would, you know, Tennessee would probably uh, be a possibility, maybe East Carolina, something like that. Uh, I think those would probably. At this point, I think they would be on par in terms of uh, chances for Southern Miss, where they're headed. I think they would be on par with Starkville, if not better, at this point. If things stand where they are, uh, you know, the selection committee will have to look at where things stand after the comp, you know, they're that week of the conference tournament and shake things out. You know, Southern Miss still hopes they're at least a two seed at that point. Uh, But yeah, there's a lot that could change between now and then, but I think at the moment, it would, uh, uh, Starkville probably isn't as great a possibility as people think. But do you think, though, with the Eagles winning the last seven out of eight conference games that the regional sites that we see tomorrow, the 20, don't you feel like that Hattiesburg will be included in the final 20? I, no, I'm not confident that they'll be. You know, I, don't, I think there's a, a shot they'll be in the 20. Uh, I, it's, it's really, you know, they're going to have to look at each conference individually. It will kind of really kind of determine, you know, whether some of these sites kind of meet their standards in terms of host, whether Charlotte does. Or some of these other places. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I'm not sitting here saying that it's likely to happen, but I think they got a shot yeah. to be in that twenty. I think, I think, I think they, I think they should. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and th- this may be a little redundant, Bob. Let, let me slip one more in with with Patrick. What, uh, you, you know, we we keep hearing merit based, merit based, merit based, and it's a funky year, of course, with COVID. But do you have a rub when basically a region of the country just simply gets a regional because it's a region of the country? I mean, we're hearing now Florida State might get one, and of course, you know, Stanford or somebody out there. So you're going to have a bunch of teams that are lower in RPI that are going to end up hosting simply because NCAA wants to peg a region. Is that is that fair or merit based, Patrick? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think Florida State deserves the host. I, I, I don't have Stanford's RPI right in front of me. I, I would not give it to Florida State. I mean, Florida's probably going to host. Uh, I, you know, I, Florida State has been handed it probably a few times too many <laughs> over the years, uh, just because they just traditionally, you know, they they just do. I mean, Pittsburgh's at number, I think, number eighteen in RPI, and they beat Florida State three times. So I, I think Pittsburgh has a good shot at hosting, and that would put a regional in that. You know, it's it, you always kind of want. They always like to have one kind of in the northeast corner, and, and Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense. The ACC is having a down year, and if it's a top twenty RPI Pittsburgh team that you know is in position to host, I think they're going to get it. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's I, it, the way. Yeah, Ole Miss probably isn't going to host at this point, and you have Louisiana Tech, Mississippi State. They're just starting to you know it, that's what I think leaves open the possibility of Southern Miss getting one of these potential sites uh, this week. Is that. There just aren't as many, you know, Louisiana Lafayette, LSU, 
nobody's really going to be hosting Alabama. Uh, nobody really hosting Georgia. So I think that does leave open that possibility that Southern Miss gets the chance, uh, or is at least on that list of 20. Well, you stole my next question, Patrick, because what we've heard all year long is Southern Miss won't get a regional because they're not going to put three in Mississippi. Now, every projection I see today has Ole Miss going to Ruston, Louisiana. But I got to tell you, I'm not convinced yet Ole Miss doesn't get a regional. No, they they, they could be on that list of 20. Um, and, I mean, Lord knows they would like to because they're going to sell a lot of tickets up there uh, like they always do. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's a chance Ole Miss gets on that list of 20, but they've got to start winning baseball games. They can't afford to lose many more conference series like they did this last weekend. So, uh, you know, I, I you know, they could almost make this a, a list of 24 or 26 if they wanted to. Uh, but, you know, they're, right now they're kind of, you know, uh, hanging around 20, which is, you know, a credit to them. It's better than sitting here and having all 16 just laid out this week. So right. at least they'll have a little bit of room to wiggle there at the end. Well, let me give you the two that came out today and yesterday. A Pittsburgh regional with Pittsburgh, Southern Miss, Arizona State, Wright State. Uh, a regional in Starkville with Mississippi State, Southern Miss, Clemson, and Jackson State. The best of those two scenarios for the Golden Eagles would be which? Well, it would be Pittsburgh. I mean, that's uh, – <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say going to Pittsburgh, obviously that's that's a regional that they could win. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I, I don't think there's any question about that. Could they go to Starkville and win? What What would be – what would be the odds of Mississippi State being defeated on their home field? I'm thinking, with all due respect to everybody in that field, not good. No, it wouldn't be great, but I think the Southern Miss team is, is built to be able to, to win a region like that just based on pitching. Right. And if the hitting is able to produce enough, you know, we all know how baseball is. It's all about, you know, about being hot at the right time. And if the bats are live at that point and Southern Miss pitches like it's capable of, yeah, it can win at Starbill. It can really win you know, pretty much anywhere. But it, it's right. a matter of Southern Miss. Uh, I don't think Southern Miss has really hit up to his full potential all season. If they can start doing this, doing it pretty soon, that's whenever Southern Miss becomes really dangerous. All right, last question. Only 15 seconds left. Are there going to be games next weekend? I, I reached out to Coach Barry yesterday, and his reply that, that nothing has been scheduled as of yesterday. Are you hearing anything about that? I, I think for long as they were talking to FIU about that working at uh, possibly happening, but right now it looks like FIU may not even make the conference tournament. Uh, so that seems pretty, un, you know, maybe unlikely at the moment. But uh, Barry told me that they have been talking to one other uh, program about possibly coming in. So uh, it becomes a little bit less likely as time goes by. But I, I think there is a shot that, yeah, they are playing baseball. Can you share who that program might be? No, I don't, I don't know who that program okay. is, but he did say they were talking to one other. All right, Patrick, always good talking to you, brother. And uh, we'll look forward to doing it again next week. Okay, thanks, guys. Patrick McGee, everybody, sports editor once again of the Biloxi Sun-Herald. It feels so good to think COVID is in the rearview mirror. All right, when we come back, special guest, an Ole Miss fan on the Eagle Hour. You don't want to miss this. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. I want to thank Patrick McGee, sports editor of the Biloxi Sun Herald, for joining us as he does on Wednesdays. We appreciate his insight. Uh, we've got a special guest coming up. Uh, he's in the studio with me now. Happy uh, to 
welcome Larry Tate, who is the corporate sales director for TeleSouth Media with us. And this is rare, an Ole Miss fan on the Eagle Hour, but, but a really objective college sports fan and uh he happened to be in the area today wanted to make sure that we got him on larry you were here i don't know maybe six seven weeks ago and and you were sort of opining at that time that southern miss baseball wasn't in the top 25 you said that was really ridiculous and lo and behold my friend you're a predictor of the future yeah and i and i still think they're underrated i i I think when you look at, at what they've done the body of work their history the players on their roster, particularly their pitching, I think they're a top 15 team. Um, and um, I don't know. You know, it seems like they got some little mojo going. Right. And uh, so I, I think that they're there. And, uh, uh, you know, I think that they – we don't know how this tournament thing's going to play out yet, but um, – uh, I, I think they're one of them teams you feel good about. All right, coaches poll USA Today as of this morning has Mississippi State third, Ole Miss fourteenth, Southern Miss seventeenth. D one has Mississippi State third, Ole Miss eighteenth, Southern Miss nineteenth. You think that's pretty accurate? Uh, I think it's pretty accurate. I, well, I, here's what I'm saying: If Ole Miss is number fourteen, I think Southern Miss is better than seventeen. Yeah. And I think you know eighteen and nineteen. That's probably you know so, but. But the pitching part of Southern Miss is, I mean, you just look at, and, and particularly now with the injuries at Ole Miss, um, you know, I mean, I want to see, you know, we mentioned a while ago about being an Ole Miss fan. I grew up an Ole Miss fan, but I am a Mississippi fan. Right. And I pull for all the Mississippi schools. I'm not one of those like the, uh, you know, fans that hate on the other. I don't, I mean, I, my enemies and rivals are the people outside the borders of this state. But um, I, I think it's pretty accurate. Uh, I don't know that Ole Miss is 14 anymore. Uh, I think they've got some things to prove that they are, and I think Southern Miss may be a little high. I, I just think they're one, when you look at the teams, I try to look at the teams ahead of somebody, and if they were playing in a neutral place this weekend, who would I pick? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That What's happened to Ole Miss? Is it injuries? Because I know they have, they've been struggling a bit lately. In my opinion, I think a lot of the problems uh, or, or challenges for Ole Miss are the same as they've been the last 10 years. They, they just don't – I always say this, and a lot of my buddies don't like it, but, you know, when Texas football started going down, they were labeled a soft team. Mm-hmm. Mac Brown's last year, they were – and I think in the baseball world, I think Ole Miss is soft. I think they're – they just have not – done a good job of handling um, the tough moments of baseball. Uh, they don't tend to battle back. They don't tend to – I mean, they have their ups and down moments. But historically, over the last few years, they're not a team that handles adversity well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're the opposite of what Mississippi State and Southern Miss are in baseball, the teams who kind of respond to adversity. You know, uh, they're down two runs after seven innings, you still kind of think they might win the ball game. Um, Ole Miss right now is kind of a team like what happened to them in game three at A&M. They were up a couple of runs, and it was a seventh inning. You're thinking, uh, they might lose this game, and they did. And uh, so I think that's where they're at. Right. Luke, jump in here with Larry T. He's the most honest Ole Miss fan you'll ever see on this radio show. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's amazing. It's refreshing to hear it. No, uh, Larry, when you know news came out yesterday, Gunnar Hoagland out for the year for Ole Miss, and the reason I'm asking this question is because where Ole Miss lands in the postseason will we'll determine in a lot of ways where Southern Miss lands in the postseason. 
with Hoagland being out, do you see Ole Miss not not you know they're, they're probably going to lose this weekend to Vandy anyway. Then they got Georgia. Do you see them as a two seed now and, and a non-hosting team? And and would that guarantee would that that would open up a, a regional site possibly for Southern Miss or Southern Miss may go to Starkville or may not. So I, I guess I'm asking where is Ole Miss end up because it's going to play along where Southern Miss ends up. Well, I, you know, there's a little bit of different. Uh, challenging with the hosting this year because of those sites being awarded and the possibility of some uh, host sites not even being involved in the tournament. But I don't see Ole Miss hosting. I see them as a number two because, let's say, best-case scenario, they win one of two with Vandy and they win two of three from Georgia and they go three and three their final six SEC games. I don't think that moves them back up into the top 16 uh, from a seeding point. Uh, So I think they're a two-seed on the road, I think um, – I tell you, if I'm a Mississippi State fan, I don't want Southern Miss as a number two seed because of the fact they are a, they would be possibly the toughest number two seed in the tournament because of their pitching. Right. They're going to get through game one, and they still got an arm. In that, and that's not the case you see with a lot of schools. Yeah, you know, oh, we're going to play the good, but they're going to throw their ace the first game, and we're going to have an advantage. You're not going to have an advantage over Southern Miss on game. Now, here, here's really yeah. the here's the truth about Southern Miss this year. The Friday night kid has really he's been a really good pitcher, but he's sort of exceeded expectations. The donkey on the team is the guy they're pitching in the yeah. first game Saturday, and then the third pitcher is a freshman All American. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, if I don't care where I'm at. I don't care Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee. I'm I'm hoping with my fingers crossed that Southern Miss don't wind up as a two seed in my regional. I would like to see Southern Miss host, but here's I think what is the challenge. With the COVID, the way they're they're doing the announcement, I think that there's gonna be some they're gonna try to spread those regional sites around the country. Uh, I don't know that there's a possibility of states like where Mississippi, South Carolina, and Florida have had these multiple hosting sites before. I don't know if that's going to happen this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that would that would work against Southern Miss. Uh, but I, I would say this. I think if, if they were going to let two in Mississippi, I think it would be startful in Hattiesburg. Now, let, me ask, let me ask both you guys this question. I'll start with you, Larry. Can we all three admit that the best team in the state right now is Mississippi State. Oh, there's no question. Yeah. And, and the their strength of, is what, Larry? Because I know you follow. I think them. it's Moxie. I mean, I, I think it's the intangibles. I think it's their coach, Chris Lamonis. You look at what he did at places like Indiana. Well, look, hey, he didn't recruit players to Indiana that could play. I mean, he didn't probably even have a roster of players that, in, that Southern Miss or anybody else had, much less some of the SEC schools. If you're a kid – you going to go play in cold weather Indiana or you going to go down south and play? And right. so you look at what he did, where he got in, it's it's that. And he's like, let's don't get too high, let's don't get too low, and let's build for the finish. And that's the way they're built. Uh, you know, they were, you know, they got a little sloppy in that third game at South Carolina. Uh, but, hey, South Carolina, we've got to remember. Pretty good. Pretty good baseball team. Yeah. So I think they are built for this. I think, I think the biggest – I think if you ask them right now, they'd say, please don't put Southern Miss as the number two seed. In our we region. heard rumors this weekend from some pretty good sources that those discussions have taken place between the three ADs, and 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 that's basically what they said. We would prefer you not come up here. Yeah, well, it's because they're good. I mean, no. everybody in the room understands that Southern Miss is going to be – if they're, they're going to be the best two seeds, so which means – 
What are they? They're the 17th seed. Right. Because you got the top, the 16 or the number one, and the very best number two seed is number so 17. So you rate Southern Miss as the best number two seed oh, in I, the yeah, country. Oh, yeah. I, I'm telling you right now, I don't want – I, I mean, I, I'm, I, hope, I certainly want them to do good. But if I'm a um, TCU, Oregon, and you're telling me you're going to send Southern Miss to my regional as the number two seed, then we, we got a problem. Yeah. All right, Luke, you concur with Larry's thoughts about Mississippi State, which, by the way, I do. I, I'll I'll say I think Mississippi State remains well, the bell cow. number one, they've got pitching, too. Right. And they, okay. they, they maybe not that strong starting rotation, but they got some relievers Real and mid-relievers depth. that can Real come in. Depth, yeah. And they've got players with moxie, the Tanner Allen, the people that they may be 0 for 8, but put them up to bat in the bottom of the ninth, with, and they will get that hit when they need it. Right. You agree with this, Luke? Mississippi State has uh, the best pitching staff in the country. They're averaging like 13 strikeouts per game. They struck Southern Miss out 20 times earlier this season. They have, uh, if not the best, the top three best uh, reliever in Landon Sims. You put him in the game, he's going to shut everybody down. And, and to Larry's point, they're a team that has found themselves, particularly in the first half of the season, they were down late in games, and what Southern Miss fans are accustomed to, scoring in the eighth or the ninth to walk it off. State's done that time and time again. So their pitching staff and their kind of late-game heroics never keep them out of a game. Mm-hmm. Southern Miss has uniquely what other teams don't have uh, they've got three quality pitching, and so what they've really got three and a half starters. Boyd would would be good. Anybody would take Drew Boyd for a, a third pitcher. But now you've got Etheridge with a two two five ERA, who is your shoe in third, and you've got another guy going into a regional that can give you six innings of work anyway. So that is what Southern Miss will have, no matter where they end up. That most teams, if not all teams, they play won't have. Yeah. All right, Larry. Ten seconds. When all the dust settles and baseball is over, who's the last Mississippi? team standing i'd still i'd say mississippi state can they go all the way oh i think they can yeah uh, I, th- I think mississippi state and southern can both go deep but i think mississippi state is built that if things fall right we don't have any injuries they can take it they can take it to the house the most honest old miss fan in the state of mississippi <laughs> you're welcome here anytime larry <laughs> I got you. well all i appreciate right. it larry <laughs> Larry Tate, everybody, Corporate Sales uh, Director for TeleSouth Media. We appreciate him stopping by. Kelly Sanders up next. Southern Miss to the top. Back on a Wednesday, if you didn't eat lunch at 4th Street Bar and Grill today, you missed out. Country fried steak or chicken fried chicken day, squash mac and cheese, toast, and a drink, and it was only eight ninety-five. 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Make plans to visit them this weekend as Southern Miss and FAU. All four baseball games will be shown at 4th Street Bar. And grill Luke Johnson, Bob Getty, Kelly Sander from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg, and beautiful downtown Laurel. 
Going to do a way too early football schedule preview. But, Kelly, the reason we're doing this is that homecoming festivities uh, have been announced. Tell us about that before we look at the schedule. Yeah, they have, Luke. And, and you guys probably didn't know this, but because, you know, I am kind of the mayor of 4th Street, Barn Grill, right? Um, 4th Street has been has been a, given a special award that I think we should at least, since they're a sponsor of the show, we should at least tell people about. Um, they got the official endorsement and certification from the American Cardiology Association, you know, <laughs> that for right? their chicken fried steak, their fried yeah. chicken, <laughs> macaroni and cheese, all that stuff that marches straight to the heart. God, doesn't that yeah. sound like a hell of a good march, though, man? Does that not sound good? <laughs> yes, it does. You bet it does. Uh, I'm sure the cardiologists love that as well. Yeah, homecoming is set at Southern Miss, and uh, for the first time in a long time, there's actually going to be people on campus and festivities where people are going to get to sit down next to each other and have meals and shake hands and reacquaint themselves. It is uh, that first uh, full week in October is when uh, festivities will take place and culminate with the football game on Saturday, October 9th. Don't look at the schedule. Guess who the Eagles are playing? Who's the homecoming opponent? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Don't look at the schedule. Do you know? I already already looked like yesterday, so it's all on Bob. It's all on Bob now. Oh, it's got to be Texas San Antonio, my favorite team. Good guess. You got the right state with the wrong team. The UTEP Miners. Well, that's about as good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the UTEP Miners are coming in for the Saturday, October 9th homecoming game, but also associated with homecoming that week will be the 23rd annual alumni golf tournament scheduled for Friday. October 8th, also on October 8th, the annual Hall of Fame banquet will take place. So a very busy slate of events. You can contact the Alumni Association at Southern Miss for uh, other potential events that will be um, scheduled for that week once those details become solidified. But we've got a game against UTEP on Saturday, on Friday, the 23rd annual Alumni Golf Tournament. If you want to play in that, contact the Alumni Association. And then the Hall of Fame banquet also on Friday night, October 8th. Man, it's just great to be able to say that Southern Miss fans will be able to get together in person and, again, shake hands, reacquaint themselves, and talk all things that are Southern Miss. That's right. That's right. All I'm right, who else should they play? Right. Let's do this. This will be fun. All right, here we go. So the way the season is, of course, 12 games back to six home games this year. And the way the schedule is going to break down, you're going to run the non-conference gauntlet to start the season, and then you're going to run play uh, eight straight conference games. I like how uh, the schedule is broken down, two non-conference away, two non-conference home. And in the first uh, six games, three at home, three on the road. The last half, three at home, three on the road. So I love that so that we, we don't have just uh, heavy at the beginning or at the end. All right, let's break it down. Non-conference, the first uh, third of the season. September 4th at South Alabama, September 11th, Grambling at home, September 18th, all these are Saturday games, Troy at home, and then Saturday, uh, September 25th at Bama. So, uh, Bob, Kelly, give me your first third prediction. At South Alabama, Grambling at home, Troy at home, at Bama. Okay, and, and let me add that we have Jeremy Graves in here with us, who's our new account executive here, and we're going to get him involved in here, too. So welcome, first of all, Jeremy, to the Eagle Hour. Thank you very much. All right, I, I'm going to go with those first two. I, I say two and two losses coming to Troy and to Alabama. Jeremy, what do you think? 
Mm, I'm gonna say we win the first three. And I don't know about the Alabama. That's uh, <laughs> I think we all know about that one, Jeremy. I think we do. <laughs> all right, Jeremy's three and one. I'm yeah. two and two. Fellas, Sander. Oh, okay. Um, I see. I disagree with Bob. I think the Troy the Troy game is pretty safe. I think it's the South Al game that I'm a little bit concerned about um, because the the Jags beat us last year. And there's so many, there are going to be so many storylines with that South Alabama game with Kane Womack, a Southern Miss graduate, now the head coach there, and, and his wife is from Hattiesburg. And, and it's, it's going to, so that's the one I'm not sure about. But I'm going to go like Jeremy. I'm going to go um, three and one. Luke? I am. I, I, I'm, I feel the, 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 the complete opposite. I, I think. The, the South Alabama game is the one that everybody's concerned about, but I think Will Hall will take care of business. I, I think you may start off two and zero and and get a little pompous and slip against Troy, but I still think three and one. So uh, I'm going to say Bama. Of course, you're going to lose that one, but if we come out three and one in the first four, <laughs> I will feel absolutely what, no, nobody right, with so. any faith against the tide. I'm shocked that you three guys. No, look, I, as long as the check clears. That's, that, that's really the biggest concern, isn't it? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's it. I want to make sure that's that. it. All right, sec- second, third, uh, the meat of the hamburger at Rice, UTEP homecoming at home, UAB home, got a bye week, and then you got Middle Tennessee. All these are Saturday games. So again, it's home or it's it's road two home games road at Rice, UTEP at home, UAB at home. At Middle Tennessee, Bob. Well, again, I'm going two and two with wins against Rice and UTEP and losses to UAB and I think probably to Middle Tennessee. Uh, the bye game, I don't really know how to call that one. Uh, Jeremy, what do you think? I think I pretty much agree with you, Bob, on that because yeah, they always seem to struggle with UAB for some no. reason. Have you guys noticed that this man has this radio voice? We're not yeah, letting him anywhere near the studio again. <laughs> this is it. No one will ever hear him on the Eagle Hour again. Go ahead, Sander. You guys heard it here first. Four and O. Oh. No. Oh. All right. What would you really think? Middle Tennessee stinks. Now, UAB has always been a struggle. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they could be throwing rocks and we could be going in with tanks. UAB just has the Eagles number for some reason. So that that could be problematic, but it's here. It's under a, a new re- – I'm telling you, 4-0, and write it down. All right. Luke? I'm going to go 3-1, and one, but the loss is not going to be UAB. We're going to get beat up pretty bad at Bama, and I think there's a chance that we f- flub the football at Rice – and then no we rebound at homecoming, and then went. I just uh, you no, saw I th- what Rice I think did, you're right, what they can, right. how they can yeah. run the football and throw. Yeah. So I'm going to go three and one, uh, and we're going to beat UAB at home. All right, the final stretch: home two away games and home Saturday, November sixth. All these are Saturday games. North Texas at home, at UTSA, at Louisiana Tech, FIU at home. Bob, I'm going to be. I hate to sound like a broken record, but I'm going two and two. I think uh, Louisiana Tech, uh, pretty tough. Uh, I think uh, I think uh, North Texas, not that great. Texas San Antonio, better team than we think. 
I'm going two and two, maybe three and one, but to be safe, I'm going two and two, Jeremy. I'm going to go three and one. Louisiana Tech's always tough. All right, so Jeremy's at three and one. I'm at two and two. Kelly, four and oh. You heard it. You heard it here first. <laughs> no and so four. Fast. Not not so fast. No and four. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, three and one. Uh, yeah, and, I, and, I, and I'm not I'm not sure where they're going to stub their toe, but um, but yeah, three and one. All right, Luke. I'm tempted to go two and two here just because we haven't lost one and had a to-the-top moment yet, even though and we Rice may be one. And we will. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm thinking a two and two, and it may be a home loss, and then I don't think we can go two and oh at UTSA at Louisiana Tech. The hope is that coming off Kelly Sanders four and oh, that they get hot down the stretch and go four and oh, but I'm going to go uh, two and two. And so Bob Getty thinks they're going to go 6 and 6, possibly 7 and 5. Jeremy's an 8 and 4, Luke's an 8 and 4, and Kelly Sander is a 10 and 2. Yeah, Kelly and has Hall's us in the Sugar Bowl first year. First year. <laughs> Bring on Alabama for a rematch of the Sugar Bowl, Sander. I'm telling you after this year Alabama will want nothing more to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, but, there's a prediction. But, but again, as long as the check clears, buddy. That, that, that's all that matters, you know. Oh, I hope Nick Saban doesn't hear this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you talk about having nothing to do. Right? <laughs> I think but he's no, an. I, I think he's probably an avid listener, don't you, Kelly? I, I, I mean, I, come on, man. I, I what else has he got to do? Well, for sure, um, nobody gets paid more to do less. Right? Uh, how many uh, times can you count all your championship trophies and not get bored with that, right? Indeed. And to have people all around you just scared to death to even talk to you. The, look at you, you know? the, point, the point is, Bob, the man has so many championship trophies because he is not sitting listening to the Eagle well, Hour I think right that's now. He's probably a safe bet. All right, when we come back, uh, first of all, thank you, Jeremy. Jeremy Graves, new account executive here for Telesouth. You'll be seeing him in your store soon. Thank you. And uh, be nice to him. And He doesn't know Kelly Sander, so <laughs> there's no connection whatsoever between Jeremy and Kelly Sander. We'll be right back. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Wrapping up this Wednesday on this fourth segment brought to you every day by DBAT and D1 Training. Located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Great place to go for instruction. Great place to go for training. Everything you need right there. DBAT and D1 Training in Hattiesburg, tell Eagle Hour. I'll send them when you go down there. Golden Eagle track and field getting ready for the Conference USA Championship in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, tomorrow through Sunday as the events finish uh, throughout the, the next two days. We'll bring you uh, the results and a great, should be a great uh, performance showing by both men and women. Let's see if we can get the second. Uh, championship for track and field uh, in this spring. So uh, good luck to the Golden Eagles as they 
Head off 203 Golden Eagles named to the Commissioner's Honor Roll by Conference USA uh, this morning. What that means is, is that you have a G- GPA of 3.0 or better. 27 baseball players. That's all you need to know, guys, on the GPA 3.0 or better. That What that means is, is that all of our starting pitchers have higher GPAs than their ERA. Bob, I think that's a pretty good that's thing. That's pretty you? impressive, and I think that says an awful lot about the baseball part. Kelly Sanders, a baseball, college baseball dad. You know, though, Kelly, that's just that's the nature of college baseball these days. A vast, vast majority of D1 baseball players are outstanding students and just good young men. And they have to be because the very first thing that any coach – it doesn't matter what the level, junior college, division one, whatever. The first thing a coach is going to say to parents or to the athlete is, let me see your transcript. Oh, but coach, man, I'm 8-0 and I've got it. Let me see your transcript. Man, I'm the fastest guy on the team. Can I see your report card, please? Right. I mean, it, it always starts there. And as competitive as scholarships are, you better be on your, on your P's and Q's as far as your books go because you'll get scratched immediately. A bunch right. of guys out there that want that same scholarship. And we're talking uh, tomorrow to uh, uh, John McCormick, who is the baseball coach at Florida Atlantic. Luke Johnson, I guarantee you that every kid on that baseball team is just like what we just described. It'd be fun to talk to Coach Mack. Hadn't caught up with him in in, uh, in a little bit, and uh, we'll be fun to have him on the Eagle Hour tomorrow. A uh, couple games in Conference USA last night. LSU defeats Louisiana Tech down in Baton Rouge, sixteen to eight. That game was cut short in seven innings because of rain. And then West Virginia defeats uh, in-state foe Marshall 4-1. to one. Nothing on the docket tonight for Conference USA. Uh, but the NFL, guys, has announced week one. And uh, there's some really, really good games here. You talk about how we get excited for the opening season of college football. Check this out. NFL begins Thursday, September 9th. The Cowboys at... Tampa Bay, I'm not saying that's a good game, but it should be the return of Dak Prescott and Prescott versus Brady. All right, Kelly Sanders Bengals start <laughs> off at home against the Vikings. Vikings come to town. Kirk Cousins, of course, uh, Bob's favorite football player, yeah, well. uh, will lead the Vikings uh, against the Bengals. Uh, the Washington football team will mount several football players, and they will host the Chargers at the same time at 1 p.m. Hudats taking on the Packers in a 420 mm. or 325 matchup. Not sure who the starting quarterback is going to be for the Packers. The Monday night game, Ravens at Raiders. That should be really fun. A couple more, uh, a couple more games of notice. Steelers at the Bills. Eagles at the Falcons, Seahawks at the Colts, Browns at the Chiefs. That should be good. The one I'm pulling for, the Dolphins at the Patriots. We'll see if the Dolphins can win against Belichick. But just kind of uh, that's a, that's an exciting week one, uh, starting right. with a Thursday, no ending on a Monday. Yeah, and I and I think, uh, you know, Bob, you start laughing at the Bengals before, we, before it even got out of Luke's mouth that they were playing the Vikings. You started, I mean, you talk about kicking a team when they're down, boy. You just... You know, and I, look, there's nobody more excited about than the Vikings. Trust <laughs> yeah, me. they're pretty relieved when that schedule <laughs> yeah. came out. Or, woo, good, a extra warm-up yeah. game, yeah. Especially the third stringers. I might get to play. Right. Um, Kelly, we've gonna, only got a minute left, and I understand that you have some potential breaking news about Conference USA and the baseball regionals. Yes, and it's really not good news, Bob. I'm I'm sorry to say, but but we're getting word out of uh, out of Washington that uh, that these sole person that's going to make the decision about 
who makes the postseason tournament is uh, Liz Cheney. Um, and she's she not in a good mood, Kelly. She she's all of a sudden become available. Uh, so, uh, and the fact that Mississippi was a big Trump state, this could be big. Does it trouble. bode well for the three schools here? Does it? <laughs> not at all. Word, word on the word on the street is that she may take over Conference USA as well. So we yeah, be in yeah, trouble Judy McLeod, watch out, right? But you know, hey, real quick before we leave, Luke, you going over the Southern Miss schedule? Look, that's a good schedule. I mean, you don't have to play the Owls, right? They're pretty good on the other side. You don't have to play Marshall. Those are the two best teams from the East. So I mean, right. if if you're Will Hall and had to have a schedule for your first year, this is the best schedule to have, I think. Yeah, and you, you only have to play Alabama once. <laughs> yeah, but, but again, we know we know why the Eagles are playing Alabama. But what'd you say, Luke? Well, I would think playing Alabama would bump our RPI up, Bob. Um, but <laughs> literally, just South Alabama. That's all it is. Let's break the multi-sport e-gaming, lunchroom food quality, everything. We can't lose to South Alabama. Let's just beat them game one and no. move on. No, South Alabama is uh, number uno on the schedule, right? Yeah, me and Tony Soprano, we got that covered. All right, John McCormick, Florida Atlantic coach, and the college roommate of athletics director Jeremy McClain on the Eagle Hour tomorrow. It is a don't-miss show. It all starts at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.